Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Happy Memorial Day. Here, my name is Eric Matoy, Pastor of Grove. We're thrilled you're here. Before we jump into the part six of today's uh, the series that we're wrapping up, I just want to say welcome to all those watching Facebook Live or listening to our podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we think this uh, last part of this series is going to really help you, and I'm excited for it. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, this is part six. If you're coming in, it's your first week, or maybe you, you missed part of the series, you can go back and catch up. You're kind of coming on the end of the conversation. So if something doesn't make sense, I would encourage you to go back and listen to what we talked about before. Uh, but I will, I'll, I'll hopefully it'll be able to uh, just uh, challenge you to kind of um, take another step uh, in the direction of God. It's really our heart as a church. Uh, if we can help people to take one step towards God, we, we feel like we've accomplished what we're supposed to do every, every Sunday. And uh, we uh, want to do that for you guys today. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, you're just maybe visiting, uh, we're glad you're here. You came on a perfect week. We're really talking about what it means to, to follow Christ and uh, give some, some ideas of what we believe. And uh, we hope that by the end of the service, maybe your heart will be stirred to, to have a, an opportunity to say, I want to become a Christian. I want to take that step towards God. And we'll give you an opportunity at the end of service. So we're just glad you're, we're glad you're here. In this series, really, we did a series uh, trying to address something, a trend that's growing in our culture. There's a category inside of our, our nation that has grown significantly in the last few years. It's, it's a category of the nuns. And what I mean by the nuns is these people would say, I don't really affiliate with any kind of religious belief. Not, not necessarily, I don't necessarily don't believe in God. I just don't necessarily affiliate, affiliate with anything. And so that, that category in some places is almost 50% of some cities, um, smaller in other areas of the country. But it's, it's grown to that part where they just, I don't go to church. I, I believe God is there. Just you know, don't have anything to do with it. So not on one extreme where they don't believe there's not a God, but there's a small portion of our society that does believe that and the other extreme where they're following god with everything they have they're just kind of there in the middle uh, for different reasons and in fact sometimes i have conversations with people that fought, would, would say I'm, I'm a nun i just i don't affiliate with anything or anybody and for whatever reason i'll ask why you know sometimes they'll say well, i just don't really believe in, in god that, that he you know for these different reasons or i left church because of a bad experience and so this whole series we've, we've been saying i want to believe in god but and we put this this but there to, to say but there's these things and so we ask this question because people walk away from God all the time. Um, they, they walk away from the, and a lot of times I think it's a, it's a, it's a wrong idea of God, and it's, a, it's a, maybe a childhood ideal that they walked away from. But in the series, we ask the question, what if, if you're here today and you walked away from God, maybe at a young age, or you know, your, your childhood faith didn't grow with you, and you, maybe you're back just to kind of say, what is this about, or I'm needing help, uh, maybe, you, maybe you're trying to figure this out. Well, we ask this question, what if the God that you walked away from never existed in the first place? And our whole premise of the whole series is this. What if the God that you, you gave up on was, really wasn't the real God anyways? And, and we've talked through these different gods. And in fact, um, when I ask people that, and they'll say, I don't want to believe in God. I say, well, what God don't you believe in? And they'll list all these things. And I'll say, I don't believe in that God either. We're, we're on the same team here. We don't, I, don't, I don't believe in the heartless God. I don't believe in the God that wants to just kill. These are the gods we talked about. These, and really, it's ideas of God. It's not God himself, but it's an idea. I would say even in some cases, this is just no more than an idol, a man-made idea or image of God. The first guy we talked about was on-demand God. God just doesn't answer my prayers the way I want him to. So I prayed when I was young that something bad wouldn't happen, and it still happened. Therefore, I walked away from God because he didn't answer. Therefore, he must not exist. Some people say, I don't want to follow God because he wants to take all my fun. It's be killjoy God. People walk away from killjoy God. I think a lot of people actually run from this God because they want to have fun. They just run away from killjoy God. Heartless God, this guy just doesn't care. Doesn't he see all the suffering that's taking place? That was week three. We talked about um, heartless God. Uh, my heart breaks when we see these things, but um, that's, not, that's not who God is. We talked about goosebump God. But what about when I don't feel God? I don't sense God all the time, and, and people walk away because they no longer feel his presence, and they just can't believe in a God that they can't feel or see or experience. And then last week, we talked about anti-science God. How many of you guys enjoyed last week? Anybody? I had some people, yeah. 
If you missed, you have to go listen. As people call me and they're like, I was dying listening to the podcast. Like I was in the car just laughing so hard and say, I can only picture what was on the screen. I'm like, yeah, you should see what was on the screen because it was amazing because uh, they can't see because of the podcast. So um, anyways, they just told me that they had a good time laughing. And so today we're going to continue on the series. But anti-science, I thought it was a great message. If you if you ever wonder if, if science and, and God are in conflict and maybe you walked away from church because isn't doesn't science disprove God and, and the existence of God? No, we talked about that. And there's, there's tons of tons of resources you could find to continue to learn and continue to grow. So one God we didn't talk about, this would be bad religion God. Uh, I think he fits in the middle of all this in some places. But some of you maybe left, walked away from a God because you had a bad experience. I mean, you had a, a, a religious leader who, who maybe hurt you, maybe uh, somebody told you something, uh, maybe they, they, they messed up in their lives, or uh, maybe somebody in the church that said they were a Christian uh, ha- was, was horrible to you, and you walked away because you said, I can't believe in a God that, you know, when it's associated with bad religion. And I'm with you. Um, I've, I've had really bad experience with people who call themselves Christians, um, but I can't say that's God's fault, and we can't put that on God. That's that person's experience, that's that person's uh, actions, and that it wasn't necessarily God. And so um, if you walked away from that God, hopefully our church will help you see um, we're with you. We don't like bad religion either. We think bad religion is not good for anybody, and we think it's about relationship. So we're going to go on and finish this series by saying, you know, we, I want to believe. But here's the key part of this. I want. Um, when we talk about life, for most people, they wouldn't say it's not that um, I don't believe it. It's more that I don't want to believe it. Um, it's, it's, about, it's about our wants, our needs. And so um, I want to believe but. And so today I wanted to end this series with this big but, all right? Uh, so I want to believe, but, and that's a really big but. What I mean by but, why that's so big, is because that but in our life is actually going to determine our eternal destiny. So I want to believe in God, but. When people have a but in their life that big, um, it really will mess you up, all right? It'll mess up your future. It'll mess up your, your eternity. It'll mess up everything that God has for you. And so today we're going to talk about those kind of, those, those buts. And um, I'm, I'm, when I say this, please, please, please. Um, would you at least be open to have a conversation or even even the idea of saying, why do I have such a big butt in my life when it comes to God? Why do I have such a big question mark and, and, and ideas of these? And so here's the thing when it comes to butts. Everybody has a butt, all right? We all have butts. Some people's butts are bigger than other people's butts. You can't miss this, guys. This is so, so important, right? Just please be open to this conversation. So everyone has a butt. Some people's butts are bigger than others' butts, all right? And here's the, the final truth. This, this, this last message I want to address, if you missed it, you missed you miss the whole point of this whole series, really. But if you, you, we will never get off our butts until we acknowledge how big our butt is, all right? You'll, you'll be stuck on this butt for the rest of your life until you can acknowledge how really big it is. And, and, and I'm joking with this, but this is really serious. Like, if, if you don't address this butt, um, this is why people get stuck in bad religion and in bad relationships um, and, and, and just... They, they, do, they, they live a life that's not fulfilling because at some point in their life, they know what's the right thing to do, but they say, but, and they just get stuck. And if you don't acknowledge how big this but is in your life, you will sit on it the rest of your life. You'll stay there the whole time, and you'll miss, I promise, you'll miss God's best for your life. Um, and so if you're not a Christ follower, if you're not a Christian, I think the application for this will still, it'll still apply in other areas of your life. But when it comes to faith, especially faith, um, as long as we can continue to put this, this idea of, well, I can't really, I can't believe because of these things, we miss God's best in our life all the time. Um, and so we're going to talk about this today. Really, so if we're to be honest, when I'm saying but, this is what the but really means. I want to believe in God, but that really means I want my own way. I want to believe in God, but I want my own way. 
Um, it's because it's not so much about truth that everybody's seeking. Like, I don't know about you. I don't wake up in the morning and think, man, I wonder what truth, truth thing I'm going to find today. Like, what, what is the truth? I'm going to seek for truth today, and I hope I find some great ideas and great things. Nobody wakes up that way, or very few people do if you do. Um, but I know what we do wake up with. We all wake up and say, I want to be happy today. We might not be on a truth quest, but we are, all of us are on a happiness quest. And really, the decisions we make in life don't flow from truth all the time. They flow from happiness and from what's going to make me happy, what's going to bring me pleasure, what's going to, going to help my life be better. Um, essentially, give me what I want, what makes me happy. And, and people will jump from worldview to worldview um, because once one, one idea lets them down, they go to the next one um, because they're looking for happiness, not for truth. Um, and so these ideas, we went through this list of, of these gods, on-demand God, killjoy, heartless, excuse bump, anti-science God, and you could add a whole bunch of other ones. These aren't reasons to walk away from God. These aren't even reasons to, to disprove or in some cases even prove God. These are just realities we live with. When we don't get our own way, when we don't um, – life is not easy and we have, just have fun all the time when it's at work sometimes. When suffering takes place and, and pain and, and hurt, things, things are hard in life, um, when we don't actually feel God all the time or sense him um, – and when we don't always understand everything, those aren't reasons to walk away and say God doesn't exist. That's just a reality we all live with. Like you live with this tension on a weekly basis and as a daily basis where you don't get your way. It, things don't turn out the way you do. That's, that doesn't mean God doesn't exist. That just means that's the reality we live in. And, and the good news is, is God is saying, I want you to move beyond that. I want you to get off your butt because that's going to slow you down. That's going to keep you from my best. Um, so if we would be honest, we ask people when it comes to God – it's not that they don't believe. It's, it's more that they don't want to believe. That's really what it would boil down to. When you ask, when, when you begin to dig in a little deeper, it's not so much that we don't believe in God because there's lack of proof or evidence. It's, it's more that we don't want to believe. In fact, some very uh, well-known atheists, they actually say statements like this. It's, they say, uh, we, don't, we don't want the idea of God to be real because that, that means our ideas don't, can't, can't, they can't stand up. Like we, we don't we don't like the idea of God. We don't want the idea of we don't want God to exist because then we can't have our own way. And over and over, if you read these, in fact, some of the most famous atheists throughout history, they actually believe there was no God. They don't want a God to exist before they even begin to formulate their philosophy. So they built all of their ideas around this idea they didn't want God to exist, and they had to figure out how to make that stand up. Um, so they can have their own way. They can kill a lot of people. They can do their own things. They can govern countries and, and, and have no repercussions. Because if God doesn't exist, I can do whatever I want. It doesn't matter. And that was their whole thinking. A line of, of logic was saying we have to get God out of the picture so we can do whatever we want. And if we're honest, all of us do this on, on a weekly, sometimes daily basis. If we can get God out of the picture, we can just do whatever we want, then we don't feel bad. But there's something that eats at us that even when we tell ourselves those things, we know that's not true because we were created for so much more than that. So it's more I don't want to believe. Um, Blaise Pascal, a philosopher, he said like this. He said, people almost invariably arrive at their beliefs not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. Um, people don't we, don't, we don't get to the place where we believe in something because of its truth all the time or the proof of, the, of, of what we believe. It's because of what we find attractive. We go to things that we want to be true. We, 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 we lean into those things because we want happiness. The truth is because we want happiness. But the problem is a lot of times when you have to, want to, to gain some of those things that we think will fill us with happiness, we have to deceive ourselves and lie to ourselves to be able to accomplish those things and do those things. Uh, we'd call this self-deception. We deceive ourselves. And here's the thing with self-deception. It always leads us in a bad direction. When we deceive ourselves and, and self-deception takes place, we always end up in a bad direction. Um, it, 
people that don't seek the truth and don't dig in the thing into their belief, it's easy to even deceive themselves into thinking they believe something really good when they don't. Um, and, and here's the problem with, with self-deception is you don't even know you're deceiving yourself. Like you've talked yourself into doing something destructive, into something bad, and you can't even see it because you've deceived yourself. This is one of the strategies the enemy has. He deceives us. And the problem with deception is you don't know what's happening. And when it's self-deception, it's even more destructive because in your mind you think I'm doing everything right and I'm, I'm the best, and you're deceiving yourself in these different ways. We don't even realize uh, where, where that's coming from. Really, self-deception is a form of pride. Um, and pride is just us saying I'm self-sufficient. I want my own way. Uh, the reason people don't want God to exist is because they want to do their own thing. Um, it's, it's the idea that, that we don't need anybody's help. We can do it on our own without God's help. Um, and this is one of the first principles in the Bible we see. God it says God created the heavens and earth. He started it all, and then he gave man free will. He gave, gave us a choice. And one of the first things that Adam and Eve did is, is they, they proved to us that we can deceive ourselves very easily. We could talk ourselves into doing things that aren't healthy. Um, and, and I bet their conversation went like this, like, all right, God said that, but... I think I want the fruit. God told me not to, but I think I'm going to do this anyways. And whenever we answer those buts, when it comes to God and we don't, we don't trust, we end up leading ourselves in a bad direction, and we, the, the consequence is always bad, is negative. And so self-deception, it's a form of pride. It's us wanting to do our, our own thing. Um, people try to explain away God because they, we want to do our own thing. We want to live our own way. Here's what C.S. Lewis says about pride. He says, pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. If you want to know what the opposite of God, the state of mind that God thinks, it, it's, it's, it's pride. It's I'm, I'm my own person. I could do my own thing and nobody can tell me what to do. It's all about me. I'm, it, I'm going to do what I want to do. It doesn't matter the consequences. That is the opposite of what God wants us to think. Uh, pride, pride destroys. Pride, it kills. And the reason a lot of times we, we, we don't mind pride, we don't mind this, is because we're on a happiness quest, not on a truth quest. And if we were honest with ourselves, and we, today we ask the question, why, why is that but so big in your life? Why, why do you hold, push God away? Because, because the truth is, we want to do our own thing. And that's just another form of pride saying, I got this. I can do it on my own. But here's the problem. Because we're looking for happiness, the way we define happiness, especially in the, I think in the Western world and especially in America, it's, it's a moving target. We don't define it well, and so we don't even know what makes us happy. Like we don't. We really don't. Like if you ask people what, what will make you happy, it's 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 a it's a, a destination. When I get married, when I have kids, when I make this much money. The only problem is when you get to that destination, when you ask them what's going to make you happy, if they're not aware, they're going to say when I have this other thing. So yeah, I wanted I wanted to make a million dollars and I got there. Now I need to make two million dollars to be happy, and it becomes a moving target where we're never competent, we're, ne- we're never complete, we're never um, fulfilled because it keeps moving. Because we don't know what makes us happy. In fact, um, we, we, we have a really hard we – don't, we don't define it well, so it's hard to get there. There are surveys that were done throughout the states. They asked people when it came to happiness, and, and the surveys showed that, that people believe – in the United States, people believe that people in California are the happiest. They're happier than, than the rest of the general population. This is what the survey showed. So people just had this idea that people who live in the golden state are happier. All right? uh, so I, I'm guessing because um, we define happiness sometimes in ways that aren't really true. I'm guessing they're thinking the beach. Uh, they're thinking the, the movies. They're thinking the fame. They're thinking you know, the, the, all, all the fun that's there, all the stuff, Disneyland, right, stuff like that. Whatever reason, they're thinking, man, Californians must be real out happier. What they don't factor in, because there's no, there's no proof that we can say they're actually, Californians are actually happier than the rest of the people in the United States. Here's what I can prove to you. Because 
if you did live in California, uh, most likely you're going to be stuck in, in, in traffic um, in over over um, populated areas and, and the freeways over, you know, just tons of traffic. You're probably stuck in traffic trying to get to your third job just to afford the small little apartment that would cost you a fourth of what it costs everywhere else in the States. All right. This is the reality uh, because it's so expensive there um, because there's a lot of people live there and, and all the other stuff that come with it. We don't think through all those details, you know, because when we define happiness, we're thinking these ideas, we're thinking these destinations. But the reality is that's not how happiness is defined, even the Bible. It's different. Um, it's, it's like, for example, when we think of a, a, a house that we dream of, we don't think of the extra square footage it's going to take. So if your house now takes you 10 hours and you get – you know, a house that's twice the size is not going to take you 20. It's probably going to take you 30 hours to clean. Well, you just lost 20 hours of your life every week because now you have more square footage to clean. Yeah, the house is going to make you happy until you realize how much more cleaning has to go. Because we don't always factor the details. We just think of this destination. We think of this bigger picture. Um, when, when, if you were to ask people what, what places they like the most when it comes to like different cities or, or states, and you'd be asked questions of why do you like that place, what, what, what was about, what about it made you happy, um, if you really drill down, I bet you you'd find a couple of things. The reason they like that city or that place is be- not because of the fun and the attractions and the beach and all that. All those are great things to have. But it's most likely because they had a life-giving friendship there. They were in a city where they had friends that made them laugh and, and then they can have a good time with. And the other thing is they were in a city where they had a lot of purpose, like they were accomplishing something. Like they, their life had meaning. And those two things, those are really the two factors. But if you look at those, those are not – destinations those are those are relational realities and really that's how we have to move beyond thinking of happiness as not just things we acquire and things we have and destinations we get to but it's really about relationships that we have in our life it's about relationships if you want to know what happiness is it's having healthy relationships it's having somebody you can laugh with somebody you can cry with somebody that'll encourage you and then it's it's using your life to make a difference in this world that is really what the, what the scriptures speak of when it comes to fulfillment and happiness is that we're, we're in healthy relationships making a difference with our life. Um, so when it comes to the happiness quest, we're willing to say, I want to believe, but I really want happiness. I really want my own way. I really want to just do my own thing so I can get my, my, my satisfaction. This is why people get addicted to all kinds of things because they deceive themselves into thinking, this is going to make me happy. And it doesn't ever and all it does is it just it, it turns into this vicious cycle that keeps people stuck. That could be eating, that could be shopping, that could be drugs, that could be alcohol. That could be a whole bunch of different things. And we let those get in our life because, well, I just want what I want. The heart wants what it wants. And God says protect your heart. Um, so when it comes to happiness, when it comes to, to self-deception, when it comes to pride, saying I want to believe but, really the issue we have to deal with is pride. When you go at it alone and think you can do it on your own, you're setting yourself up for a bad direction in life. Uh, the Bible tells us the opposite of what we need to do. First Peter 5.5, 5, he's quoting Proverbs. He says this, that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So people that have pride say, I can do it alone, God says God opposes that. Like he actually steps away and says, fine, have your own way, do what you want. You're choosing it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing anything to you. It's your choices. But he says he gives grace to the humble. Those who are willing to say, all right, I need your help. I can't do it on my own. God steps in and says, all right, I can work with this. Like you could be honest. I can work with this. Let's, let's talk about this. Let's help. We could, we could define humility, humility like this. Humility is trusting God with me. Humility is saying I can't do it on my own, so I'm going to trust you, God, with my choices. 
All right, so God says go left, but fun and happiness looks like it's right. We just say, God, I'm going to trust you with what you're saying. It's, it's, it's saying, God, I'm going to humble myself and not be proud and not, not do my own thing, but say, God, I'm going to trust you with this. The other part of humility is trusting ourselves to, uh, with other, trusting ourselves to, trusting others with ourselves. Um, so when it comes to humility, I trust my wife with, with, my, my, with parts of my life, like my emotions. When I'm not feeling something, I have to trust her to speak into it and say, it's okay, we'll get through this. That's humility. Not just trying to go out on my own, but saying, this is really difficult, this is really hard, and I, I begin to trust. So humility is trusting, my, trusting me with God and trusting, me, letting others, trusting others with me also. Um, and saying, I'm, I'm going to have these relationships around me that are going to be life-giving, that are going to encourage me. Um, so if, when we look at humility that way, it makes it a little different. It's not just like talking about yourself down and trying to make people think that, that you're no, nothing or nobody. That's not what I'm talking about. It's just saying, I'm going to trust God with my life. Um, and this is not always easy because there's a part of us that we want our own way. We want to do what we want to do, and we'll figure out any way to accomplish that through lies, through deception, whatever. And, and this is really the conversation. I want to believe in God, but the reason we make poor choices is because we put that but in there and say, I want my own way. And if we're honest, this is really why we are stuck in things in life because we're, we're not willing to address and start doing the things that will give us health and life because we want just to do our own thing. We want what we want, and we'll just deal with the consequences. But there's a part of us that says, I don't want to live that way because I'm going to get down 10 years from the road, and I'm going to be in the exact same spot that I am now because I'm not willing to work through that. Uh, when it comes to being a, a Christ follower, I, I, I found some stats about uh, when it comes to, to, to trusting God with your life, when it comes to people who are humble and say, God, I'm going to trust you. You say, go left. I'm going to go left. Culture says go right. My, my, my emotions, um, my, my hormones, whatever wants to go right, but I'm going to trust you and just say I'm going to go left. Um, here's, here's some stats that I found. People that regularly attend church are 22% less likely to be dep- depressed. All right, 22% less likely to be depressed. Um, people that regularly go to church, they live longer than the general population. Um, people that regularly attend a church have higher levels of se- sexual satisfaction. Um, that was last week's message. If you missed it, you can go back. All right. Um, people that regularly attend church are lo- more likely to manage their life better, and mo- more likely to manage their time better. Um, they, they have increased mental well-being. Um, like I said, they live longer than the general public, the general population. Um, and, and people that go to church that, that, that regularly attend, they live 7 to 14 years longer than non-religious people. This is the surveys they found. They, they did it. And there's all kinds of st- studies like this. They find that you know, people that, that trust their life with God, which is what we essentially say, is, is they're, 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 they worry less. They have less anxiety. Why? Because all the pressure is not on them to accomplish everything all the time. It's not, they don't find the pressure of culture saying you have to look this way, be this way. They get to this place they say, all right, I'm going to trust you, God, with what you want to do in my life. And this is not people that just think attending church regularly is good. This is people that actually do it, that are practicing, that are saying, God, I want you in my life. I think a big part of it is because they're, they're resisting pride. They're saying, I don't want to be proud and just do my own thing. God, I need your help. Lead me on this path. See, Peter, he, he continues on and says that God oppresses the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He goes on and says this, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Peter figured it out. James, he, he quotes the scripture and writes something very similar in the book of James. These guys figured it out. God is looking for people who are, who are able to say, I'm going to be honest for a moment. 
All right. I really want to go right, God. But I think, you know, that path, I've, it's, it's led me in the wrong direction for so long. Would you help me to know the right path to take? It's humility of somebody saying, I need help here. I'm going to trust my life. I'm going to trust me with you. So if you're in, in this room today and you say, I want to believe in God, but, you know, all the pain, all the suffering, but science, but, um, you know, taking away all my fun. You really have to ask your question, why is the but really there? Is it really because of those reasons or is it because you just want to do your own thing? You want to continue to do the things you want and you're not willing to maybe look deeper in and say, why is that there? And if, and, and if, if all of us in this room would do that on a regular basis, I guarantee we'd be, make better decisions. Some people, um, marriages would be healthier. Marriages would have lasted longer. Relationships with kids would be better because when we ask the question, why do I demand my way even when I know I'm wrong? Like, have you ever been in an argument, and, and you're, you're in this argument, and you, at some point you realize, like, oh, shoot, I'm wrong. How many of us say, oh, I'm, I'm wrong, right? <laughs> Typically, it's like, I'm wrong, but I'm going to just fight as hard as I can and to show that I'm tough. And we stay in arguments even knowing that we're wrong because we're not willing to drill down and say, what in me is causing me to, to be the bigger person or to, to look good or to make, make everybody think that I have it all together? What is that? Pride. Where does that come from? Our own desire to do our own thing all the time. And that's why I say this but that we talk about is so important because this determines not just your eternal destiny, but it determines how, you, how your life is lived out, the things you'll accomplish in life. Because if you continue to say, God, I really want to trust you with my life, but in 10 years, but when I'm, when I'm mature enough, when I'm older, when I'm whatever, and you, put it, you fill in the answer, you're missing out on all the things he wants you to do, and, and, and you, the truth is you might never get there. And then at that point in your life, you might not even actually be able to do the things you're hoping to do because of decisions you made. But if we were honest and said, all right, why am I so hesitant? What is it about me not saying yes to the things God's asking me to? And if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, and this is why humility is so important, because God wants us all to get to a place where we say, okay, I'm going to back off. I'm going to trust you to lead me in this. And that's a scary thing. In relationships, that's very scary um, to, to, to put your, your trust in somebody else. And that's exactly what it is. It's trust. Because that's, that's, that's the currency of relationships is trust. And God wants us to trust him with our lives. And here's what I know about God. When er, he's trustworthy. And every time you give him a little piece of you, he's going to show himself, I can be trusted. Continue on this, pro, this path. Keep doing it. Because trust builds relationships. And here's the very thing that enemy wants to, to, um, to bring into your life. is he, do, he wants you to not trust God. He wants you to think that God is not trustworthy. This is where Adam and Eve messed up, is, is the enemy tricked them and said, you can have your own way, and it'll work out good. And they, they, they made a choice to say, I'm going to trust what I feel, I'm going to trust what the enemy is saying, rather than trusting what God said. And the path they chose led them away from God. If we will just say, God, I, I need to develop this trust, I need, it, I need to keep that. Well, we do that a few ways. Regular church attendance is one of the reasons people do this is because they're constantly hearing this. If, you're, if you have a, a habit of reading your Bible on a daily basis, it doesn't have to be the whole Bible on one day. That's too much. But if you have a, a habit of, of reading some scripture or taking this in, thinking about it, um, we'll talk about this, this next month, how to, how to do that a little better. Um, if you have these things, it's going to remind you, okay, 
I, I need help in this situation. I need help in life. Um, so here, here's our challenge for today. Simple challenge, all right? Would you just lose the butt? When it comes to God asking you to do something, just lose the butt. Don't add the butt in there. Just, just say, okay, I, I, want, I want to believe. God, I want to trust. And then move the I want, just say, just, or the want to, just say, I believe. I trust. So here's, here's the challenge. Stop the excuses. Whatever reason you've given for not trusting in God, for not believing in God, could you for a moment just drop the excuse and just maybe call it what it really is? I don't want God to exist because I want to keep doing my own thing. I want to put all the world's problems on God because I just want to do my own thing. I, I, I want to continue to do my lifestyle, live the way I want, rather than listening to God. So I'm going to figure out every reason to do. But if we stop the excuses and we start trusting him, we'll see that he actually has really good plans for our life. If you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, um, our whole, our, the whole point of this whole series is to say, would you be willing to just say, God, I want to try this. I want to trust you with my life. I'm, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to do this to see what happens. I promise you when, you, when you begin a relationship with God, it's not that he makes your life easier. It's just he brings an element to your life that changes it all. It's like all of a sudden you get this peace in life that you can't explain. Like in the worst of situations, you can be like, okay, it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to work out. Where before God, it's like, man, I have to fight. I have to demand my own way. And now you're just willing to say, God, you lead. I'm going to trust you. Give me wisdom what to do, but I'm going to trust you this whole thing. He, he, it's a game changer, I promise. It doesn't make it easier. In some, some ways, it makes it harder um, because you, you have, um, when, when you sign up to, to follow God, you become the enemy of the enemy. Like, you already are the enemy of him, but he, you get a target on you where he wants to take you out. He hates your guts. But in that, God says, I'll give you strength. If you humble yourself, I'll give you the grace to overcome if you'll just follow my lead. See, so we talked about relationships and trust. You know, trust is built through sacrifice. Um, my, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my wife, the reason we trust each other is because there was points in our lives that we had to sacrifice something. We had to say, okay, I'm going to sacrifice my desire to do these things so we can say yes to your things. I'm going to sacrifice by, by helping you accomplish something you need to accomplish rather than just doing my own thing. It's about sacrifice. And, and relationship is, is built through this, this give and take. We learn to trust because of these sacrifices. Well, the Bible tells us that God, he already, he already showed us and, and demonstrated for us that he, he's given his sacrifice, his part. In fact, in Romans, it tells us that while we were still powerless, while we couldn't do it on our own, while we were still sinners, that God demonstrated his love. In fact, in Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when you were powerless and not able to do anything, God saw that, and he still sacrificed for you and for me. This is the beauty of the gospel. God is trying to fix all these things that we complain about. And he's looking for people to partner with him to say, let's fix these things. Let's live a life that we say, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recognize that my, I've been sitting on that, that butt for too long, and I'm really willing to follow your lead. I'm going to recognize that the reality of it is, for too long, I just want to do my own thing. And today, I want, I want to do your thing. At a young age, I made a decision not, not, to, not to put the butts between my relationship with God. I remember at a young age, I said, God, I want my life to count. I want to do what you want to do. Here's things I want to do. 
If you want me to do that, that's great. But if you don't, I'm going to follow your way. And there's some things in life that I wanted to accomplish. And God said, you know what? Rather than go that way, let's go this way. And I just trusted him. I said, okay, God, I'll go your way. And looking back, for the last almost 20 years now that I've been doing ministry as a pastor, working with people, I don't regret a moment of me saying, God, I trust you with my life. How many things he saved me from, protected me from, because I was willing to say, man, I really want this, but I'm going to trust you with this. Everything in me says this way, but God, you're saying this way, so I'm going to trust you. And can I be honest? I don't always get this right. Sometimes in life, it's like, all right, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, I'm going my way. But I look over my life. For the most part, I've been saying, God, I follow you. I want to do your thing. I want to go your way. And I don't regret those decisions. Because it's the decisions I do regret, I want to go my way. And I say, I can handle it. I can do it. Nobody will know. Those are things you always regret. But these ones, you never regret. You actually get down the path and you look back and you're like, wow, look how far we've come. Look what he's done in my life. And I want to be the kind of people, the church, that, that we can look back and we can celebrate how, God, how far God has brought us. Because we humble ourselves to say, let's trust him. Would you do me a favor? Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we wrap up? If you're here today, And you're willing to be honest and say, for too long, I've resisted God because, truthfully, I just want my own way. I'm stuck in patterns and cycles that are not healthy. They're not giving life to me, but I want my way. If you're willing, you could be honest with yourself and say, These, this is some of the reasons that I've, I've resisted God for so long. You know, there's some, there might be somebody in this room that would say, you know, but, but I've lived my whole life without God, and wouldn't it be... It wouldn't be right for me now to reach out and ask for help. No, that's exactly what God wants you to do. It doesn't matter how many years you've, you've ran from God. This is the moment that matters the most. Because the but in your life is keeping you away from God. And today is the moment where you say, all right, I'm going to move that out of my life. And I'm going to just say yes to God. And you're here today. And you'd like to make that decision to say, I'm going to humble myself and ask God to help me. The Bible tells us that when we do that, he embraces us. He runs to us because those are the kind of people he can work with. People that say, I don't have it all together. I need your help. So Dave, if you're here and, I, and you'd like to start this relationship with God, you'd be willing to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit my, my part of the, the issue. The Bible says that if we confess that we're sinners, he, he comes in, he forgives us. If we believe that God sent his son to die for us, that he makes us right with him, and there's salvation that comes. So if you're here today, would you do me a favor? Would you just lift your hand let me know you're here, and you'd like to say today, I want to invite you into my life. Awesome. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Awesome. I see your hands up there. Thank you. Quite a few hands going up. Anybody else? Today, I want to, I want to give God a shot. I want to trust him with my life. Awesome. For all of you that raised your hand, I'm not going to call you to front, just lead you in a prayer right in your seat. But this is the prayer where we're saying, God, I need your help. I invite you into my life. And this is the kind of prayer that has to go on almost on a daily, sometimes an hourly basis where we say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. This is the kind of relationship God wants to have 
These are the kind of relationships that are the healthiest where we can reach out and say, I have something going on. Help me. And today we're going to start that relationship. So if you raise your hand and pray that, if you raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you're a Christ follower, would you join in praying with us so they're not praying alone? And just today, would you say this? Say, Father God, today I acknowledge that I need your help, that I am lost without you. I do not want to go my own way anymore. So I invite you to lead me. I believe you sent your son to die on that cross for me, for my payment. I believe you're alive today and you want to live in my life. So I invite you in. Lead me and guide me. Be my friend. Be my God. I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.